For those of you that don't know me, my name is John Cook, and I have the great privilege to oversee the care and counseling, which comes out to about 90% of what I do is to sitting one-on-one -on -one with folks or with couples and things like that. And I tell you, I have the greatest, greatest, greatest job ever, ever, because I get to sit with people in some of the ugliness, and I get to share Jesus with you, and I cannot thank you enough for that. I cannot thank you enough for that. We are going to, now this is going to be a very, very uh, controversial comment, okay? I know it is between my wife and I. It has nothing to do with politics, it has nothing to do with guns, and it eventually will have something to do with religion, okay? No. I like buffets. Hello. Thank you. Hello. 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 I like a buffet. Now, I'm not talking the Golden Corral. Okay, though they have great meatloaf, and when they have real mashed potatoes, mm, yes, okay? And the yeast rolls, oh, yes, 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 yes. I am not talking Captain George's seafood down in Virginia Beach. Anybody been to Captain George's? Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, there we go, all right. By the way, if you go to Captain George's, this is, there is proper etiquette, okay? And there is wise eating at these places, okay? All right, I just want to share this with you. Pass everything at the front of the line. It's called filler. <laughs> Go to the unlimited crab legs. Yeah. Just telling you, okay? All right. Yeah, yep. All right. So, now I like the buffets that are at the really swanky ones, okay? I, I don't like the stainless steel you know, warming trays where you got to lift the lid up and then hopefully it won't slide off and hit the ground and everybody will turn around and look at you. I don't want the plastic serving spoons and I don't want some 16, 17-year-old going, that's enough for you, fat man, all right? No. I want the nice silver chafing dishes with the polished brass handle with the hinges. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right? I like the little placards that say exactly what I'm about ready to put on my plate because there's nothing worse than going to a buffet and thinking you got steak when it was liver. <laughs> Whoever thinks it's okay to put liver on a buffet should be, well, that's just not, that's just not good, okay? I like the dessert table over there. Can you see it? Do, do you see it? Okay, because on it, it's got like 20 different cheesecakes, all right? And it's got real apple pie, yeah. And then, and then there's, there's a guy over there that goes, I'd be more than happy to make you your own sundae if you would like, sir. Would you like more ice cream? Yes, sir, thank you, all right. See, these are the things that I like. I like on the buffet that I get to pick and choose what I'm gonna eat, all right? I don't want canned asparagus. Oh. Did your moms ever feed you the Del Monte canned asparagus? All right, I am absolutely showing my age here, okay? Asparagus out of a can is the grossest thing ever you can put in your mouth, okay? Yeah. No, I want what I want when I want it and how I want it, all right? Yeah, I think we call that selfishness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here's the thing. And I heard this from Duncan Campbell. If you're watching online, God love you. I'm finally preaching this message. 
Woe to us who treat Scripture like a buffet. How many of us go through Scripture and we'll pick out passages? All right, I'll take a double portion of the forgiveness, thank you. I'll take a double portion of grace. But there's other passages I don't like. There's other passages that I want to kind of push off to the side. All right? Some of them I don't even read. Because if I don't read them, then I didn't know. At least that's what I justify in my mind. All right? Paul reminds the young preacher uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture, all scripture, and by the way, that Greek word for all, it literally means all. Um, yeah, I think I've got to stop using that joke. I use it too often. <laughs> all scripture is God breathed. Theonustos, right, is God breathed. And it has a benefit for teaching and correcting and rebuking. And the idea here is that we read all of it. We take in all of it. We allow all of it to read us. We digest all of it so that we can do good. Because, see, left on my own, I don't do good. I know how limited I am. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, David says, my sin is always before me. I know what I'm capable of doing. I know what I have done. All right? And so all of Scripture is God-breathed for me. All of Scripture is good for me. But again, I like to pick and choose. I don't like reading in Matthew chapter 5 about if somebody's got something against me and I want to come and offer my gift at the altar, I have to go and make an amends with somebody. I've got to go apologize for what I did. I don't want to do that. God, I just, I just want to come up here and I just, just, I want to make it okay with us. All right? But Jesus is telling me, no, 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 no. You need to go make it right with them and then come back and we'll make it right. We'll make it right here, but we got to make it right here. I don't like the passages that say, you know, uh, love your enemies. No, 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 no. I like the Old Testament passages. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You hurt me, game on. You hurt me, let's go. We're dropping the gloves. All right? I want you to feel the pain that I am feeling. That's the Old Testament. That's my humanity that comes in. I want you to feel what I'm feeling. I would venture to say, even with Jesus' model prayer in, John, in, in Matthew chapter 6, we talk about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. <laughs> Thank you, you guys got it. We'll skip over that. Forgive me for my mess ups as I forgive those who mess up against me. Yeah. No, 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 no. I got to forgive people. I have to forgive people. And you know, we'll finish the model prayer of Jesus in John chapter 6, and I wonder how many of us, when we're in the buffet line of Scripture, we'll skip right over verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Love that one. Don't like this one. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. 
Ouch. I do not. That's the liver on the, that somebody put liver on the buffet line. It's almost as bad as the canned asparagus, but not quite, okay? It's at least liver. But the reality is I need to forgive, and forgiveness is hard, but it's also something that Jesus commands us. Jesus commands us to forgive, but he also doesn't say, listen, it's, it's all up to you. Because again, in my humanity, I can only take it so far. I need Jesus to help me get it across the line. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness. All right? I think it's real important that we first look at what forgiveness is not. All right? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. There will be things that happen to you, all right, that will be with you the rest of your life. But what we do is we, in Jesus, we learn how to live just above it. And that's the part of forgiveness that gets us out of that and into real life but we will never forget it. There's some hurts that are just too hard. Lisa Turkers has a really good book out there. It's called Forgiving What You Cannot Forget. And the backstory that comes with this is very real hurt that she experienced in her life and in her marriage. And yet she's able to write about it after she's processed through it, after much prayer, after much scripture studying, after implementing a number of things in her life, she's able to provide the forgiveness that brings her healing and hope. The second thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, you've heard me say this before, that we cannot have reconciliation without forgiveness, but forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. There are some people that it's just not safe to enter into relationship with. Jesus reminds us that it is by our fruit, by the fruit of others, that we will recognize them. There are some folks that will hurt us and continue to hurt us and continue to hurt us that we can no longer enter into relationship with because they have chosen not to enter into relationship with us. Reconciliation is like building of a suspension bridge. There are two banks and we meet in the middle. And there's some times where you will do everything you can to bring reconciliation to a relationship, but the other people are still on the bank over here and they don't even have the materials to begin the construction process then if that's the case, then that is reconciliation that will not happen. Jesus reminds us in John chapter 2, John, or actually John reminds us that Jesus not, did not entrust himself to everyone because he knew their hearts. There are some people for Jesus, it just wasn't safe. Yeah. But Jesus is also the one that while he's being nailed to the cross, spoke out these words that are mind-boggling to me. I want you to imagine this. Your arms are being stretched out and there are nails going in between your wrist bones. 
and you speak out the words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'm about y'all, that's, I'm glad Jesus is Jesus and it's not me. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is what Jesus is, or this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is an attribute of God. Genesis chapter 1, we have the Holy Trinity that say, let us make man in our image. In our image, let us make a male and female. We are image bearers of God, which means that we have attributes of God. We are not God, but we have attributes of God. We have the ability to love and to reason, and we have the ability to forgive. And Jesus and God is about, he is in the forgiving business. Now, he doesn't do it with a blind eye. Repentance, with repentance, comes incredible forgiveness with the fruit of our lives, we display that. We pour it out to Jesus, and Jesus is quick to provide forgiveness for us. It is a very attribute of God. It is a very attribute of the Holy Spirit. Second of all, I believe that forgiveness is the expected consequence of our gratitude. When I understand what I have been delivered from, when I accept the forgiveness that Jesus has poured out on me through his grace, how can I not live a life of gratitude? When I realize the ugliness of my sin, and it is as far as the east is from the west, my sins have been forgiven. Imagine that. Now this is geometry 101. You got a ray, you got a dot in time that goes forever in that direction. You got a dot in time that goes forever in that direction. And they never come back. They never come back. That's as far as the east is from the west. I like that scripture. Can I please get a third serving of that? When I understand what I have been delivered from, when I begin to grasp the forgiveness that has been poured out on a sinner like me. Come on, baby. Come on. Forgiveness is also a very imitation of Jesus. It's a very imitation of Jesus. And what I want to do, I want to imitate the Christ. And I don't want to just do it in action. I want it to be who I am. I want it to permeate my thoughts and my actions and my reactions. I want to model Jesus to those that I come in contact with. You know, when somebody goons something up in the grocery store, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude, if this is the worst thing that ever happened to me today, I've had a really good day. Yeah. You don't have the four cents? I'm okay. It's all right. All right? But can I do that when the hurts are very, very real? That's the part that I want to get into. That's what I want to get into. I still want to imitate the Christ even when the hurts are overwhelming. There's two types of forgivenesses. There's decisional forgiveness. 
And those are the ones where the, you know, maybe I need a price check or I don't know. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all got to work on this one, okay? Yeah. Um, not me. I'm perfect behind the wheel of the car. I'm afraid to, t- for years, I was really afraid to put a Mount Ararat sticker on the back of my car. Because I know, again, it's kind of the buffet. I know what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Let's go, all right? What with that little sticker? Anyways, I'm going to digress. Yeah, all right. There's decisional forgiveness where we will go, hey, listen, it's okay. And it is a decision that I'm going to change my attitude. Yeah, okay, you wronged me. That's okay. All right, we're good. We're good. And my behavior will change. Sometimes, though, with that, we'll actually just give it lip service. A lot of times when the hurt has been deep, what we do is say, hey, man, no problem. And then what we do, we stuff it. We stuff it. We call that a resentment. When you start planting the seeds of resentment, I guarantee you, your heart is turning away from God. Your heart is turning away from Jesus, and eventually resentment is going to build up into bitterness. Anybody know anybody that's bitter in their life? Are you bitter in your life? Are there things that I'm bitter about? Yes, there are. Those are resentments, those actions that happen in a moment or a period of time. One person has done it, and I developed this resentment. And resentments left unchecked will make me a person that is bitter. And there is nothing in bitterness that resembles Jesus Christ. And if I want to imitate Jesus Christ, I cannot be a bitter person. And so I have to bring forgiveness into the equation. The way I have been forgiven is the way I need to start learning how to forgive others. And so I want to give you a five-step approach. Now, this is a process. It is a process. Some of you, when you came in here, you received one of these cards. Did anybody get one of these cards? If not, we are going to mock Pastor Jerry, okay? Whom I love greatly. No, I'm joking. All right. Oh, oh no, I'm not joking. I do love Jerry, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I want to give you, this is, this is a process from a guy by the name of Everett Worthington, He's a Christian counselor out of Richmond. He's actually at VCU. He is kind of within Christian counseling circles. He's kind of the guru of forgiveness, all right? And he wrote a book back in 2003 about forgiving and reconciling. And he lined out this process through scripture of what it is to begin these really, really hard um, forgiveness And he's talking about the second type of forgiveness, which is the emotional forgiveness. And this is the forgiveness that we need to give to people when they have wronged us. This is the forgiveness that is hard. This is the forgiveness where somebody has broken absolute trust with us, that they have taken us and they have dragged us through the mud. They have switched everything around. Out of their hurt, out of whatever they needed, they took their eyes off of you and they put you in the dirt. Resentment is flourishing. And now, years down the road, you are just a mean, bitter person. This is emotional forgiveness where we pour out, we get rid of, we unroot 
through Jesus all of that resentment and bitterness. Worthington gives us these five processes, and they aren't just theory. See, he developed these after years of study, and then he had to put it into practice when his aging mother, her house was broken into. It was a home invasion, and she was beaten to death with a crowbar. Now, that's hurt. That's hurt. And so in this book that he talks about, he walks through this reach process. And the R stands for recall the hurt. This is one of the things that we don't do. When somebody really hurts us, yeah, we say we're hurt. But we don't process through the hurt. What we allow to do is allow for anger and hate and negativity to come in, but we never identify what are the things that I learned, what are the lies that were taught in this hurt that I have believed, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not athletic enough, I'm not whatever it is, and I believe these lies. Or I don't know what the hurt is that I'm actually feeling. Was it, was it a hurt upon my pride? What is the hurt? I've got to uncover those. I can't just go, man, you were wrong. No. What is the hurt? Recall it. Don't live in it. Don't camp out in it. But you've got to recall it and you've got to process through it. We have to process through it. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of this that is going to be very difficult for you to do by your own. You cannot, I would, I, would, I would say we cannot do this effectively without prayer and without Jesus changing our thought process, changing us. Romans 12, 2, the renewing of our mind. God, give me the spirit, give me the courage, give me the wisdom, give me the strength to begin this process. Because left on my own, I know I can't do it. This is where I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus, because I want to emulate you. I want to be a representative of you to everybody I come in contact with. The E part. You ready? If I haven't prayed up, I can't do this. I've got to be able to empathize with somebody. i got to empathize with the person that hurt me the most. I want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I want you to feel what I feel. Jesus, give me eyes to see this person the way that you do. Give me eyes to see them and to see the hurts that are in their lives. Give me eyes to see where I may have hurt them. And all of a sudden, I begin to start empathizing. And when I empathize, I can go to the A. And I'm going to start passing out the altruistic gift. It's a free gift that comes from my heart to theirs. And I'm not just giving lip service to forgiveness here. 
It's not because I know I need to, but because I want to. The C, I got to confess it. I got to confess my forgiveness. There's something that happens when we think of something and then we actually speak it. Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul reminds us if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's one thing to believe, it's something else to confess. I need to share those with other people. I need to share that with the people that have hurt me. They know they've hurt you. Most do. Because again, remember, their sins are always before them, just as my sins are always before me. So I'm going to confess to you, there are two people in my life. This is a, this is a prominent process within the recovery circles, within our Celebrate Recovery that we do within any 12-step program. We make a list of people that we've harmed, make a list of people that have harmed us. But part of it is we've got to go to those that we've harmed, and we've got to make amends. And it's not a political amends. It's not, hey, you know, sorry, but. No. I was wrong. This is what I did. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's why it's step nine. It's not step two. All right? But I got to do that, and I need to confess those. There are two people in my life that if I could, I would, I'd make an amends with in a heartbeat. One of them passed away about four or five years ago. It's a guy that, uh, that worked for me, and I cannot tell you how much of a jerk I was to him out of my insecurities and my fears. Dan Milligan was his name. I could now. Dan, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. The other one, I don't know where they are. Can't find them. Can't find them. But if I ever saw them, I'm sorry. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. There are people that have hurt me and there are things that I've gone through in my life that have hurt me deeply. And so I stand up here as someone who, in a couple instances, I am still working through this reach process. And there are a couple people that if they walked in right now, I would avoid them because I'm still angry. I don't think that's Jesus' love. But I need to confess that forgiveness. And then finally, I've got to hold on to it. Because the reality is, remember I said, forgiveness is not forgetting. There are going to be times, there's going to be events, there's going to be situations, there's going to be people that are going to do something that it's going to take you back to there. And that's when we hold on and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a familiar thought. This is a familiar feeling. These are familiar actions. But I've already worked through all that. Me and Jesus, we've already worked through all of that. 
I've already shared, I've already confessed, hey, listen, you're good. Now, it may require me to take a step back, but I am not giving resentment and bitterness fertile ground on which to work. That's the reach process. Process. It's not an event, and we all want things to be an event. We want it here, and we want it now, the way we want it, when we want it. It is a process. But I'm telling you this. It starts at this point right here. When I understand what I have been forgiven from, when I understand what Jesus has done for me, it starts the process moving. In my humanity, when I'm hurt, when I need to give forgiveness to others, I need the humility of Jesus to come and overtake my humanity. Because in hurt, humanity and humility clash. This is where it doesn't add up. This is where it doesn't add up. Humility must take away my humanity. And then I couple it with who Jesus is in his forgiveness. And the great example I get is peace. The great example, the outcome of that equation that doesn't add up is peace. Romans chapter 12, if you guys have your Bibles there, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now we know this, the the latter part of this, verses 18 and 19, excuse me, 19 and uh, 20, um, do not take revenge, my dear friends, But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We like that one, don't we? Can I get a double dose of that? Lord, you go ahead and revenge me. Go ahead and avenge me. But Paul reminds us, no, no, no. When he's taking passages out of Proverbs, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? In doing this, and this is a part we really like, can I get a triple help into this? I don't want the 16-year-old going, that's all you need. No, I want the big old honking scoop, and I'm going to keep on going back to it. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. When you've hurt me, I want to put fire in your lap. Woo, come on, baby. That's not what Jesus says. Instead, Paul reminds us in verse 18, you ready? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You ready for the equation here? You ready for the equation? Forgiveness ultimately equals peace. The very thing that I crave more than anything in my life is peace 
in Jesus Christ. Regardless of what the situation is, regardless of the turmoil, regardless of the hurt, if I can have peace, if I can have Jesus give me peace, if Jesus will pour his peace into me, I can do everything. I can live with anybody in any circumstance. And then Paul finishes up this thing. Do not be overcome by evil. Some of the things that happen to us are nothing less than evil. Somebody has perpetuated evil on us. But don't be overcome by it. And this is where Jesus pushes us across the finish line. In that he allows us to overcome evil with good. That doesn't add up. But that's Jesus' math. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a minute. Caleb, stay online for just a minute. I want to kind of walk us through this. I'm going to to turn it over to the Fredericksburg campus here in a minute. But stay with us. This is a believer's table. Jesus, on the night that he is being betrayed, he institutes this. And he shows a piece of bread. He takes a loaf of bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body that is going to be broken for you. He's then going to raise a cup up of wine. And he says, this is the blood that is poured out for you. For the forgiveness of sins. And so before we take this, I've got to give you this opportunity. If you have never accepted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, now is your time to do it. He knows your sins. He knows the bitterness that you're living in. He knows the resentments you have. But he also knows all that you've done. Not only has he seen it, but he was there when you did it. And yet Jesus, on this occasion, on all occasions, is saying, if you will turn to me, I will bring you forgiveness and I can give you peace so that you can overcome evil with good. Is that you today? If it's you, I'm gonna ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you. I am broken, I am bitter, I am angry. I have so much resentment. I have resentment for the hurts in my past and I have resentments of the hurts that are happening right now. But God, I don't wanna live like that. I want your peace. I need you to move me past the finish line. I need for you to create a new heart in me. God, I am coming to you right now as a sinful man, as a sinful woman. I need your forgiveness. I need you to save me. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.